Today's show is brought to you by Vinyl Me, please. Join the Record of the Month Club at www.joinvmp.com forward slash holybackboard. You are listening to the Holy Backboard on the Sage Digital and Nothing But Net networks. For more on your trailblazers, go to iTunes, search the Holy Backboard, and subscribe today. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 136th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage chilling here in uh, Beaverton, Oregon. And man, I don't even remember how well the Blazers did. I know we won games, but I'm ready to talk about this team because there's been a lot of a lot of interesting shit going on this last week for the Blazers. Bassie's ready to podcast too. He's on my lap. I mean, the team's been racking up dubs like no other. He's been getting fancy feast on the regular. Uh, so he is really enjoying how the team is playing at the moment. Seven and three in our last 10, 31 and 20 overall. Uh, just a half game behind the Thunder for third out west. And uh, really uh, pretty fantastic week when you. When you look at all things considered, uh, the schedule they had in front of them, they won, which I thought was arguably their best performance of the season, uh, a 109-104 victory in Utah against the Jazz, a team that had won uh, six straight games. They beat us by a combined like 70-plus points over the past two matchups, uh, followed, followed that up with a nine-point loss in Oklahoma City on the second night of a back-to-back um, and ended the road trip with a resounding 120-106 victory in Phoenix, uh, defeating the Suns before ending the week with a <laughs> stressful 120-111 victory over the Atlanta Hawks, minus Damian Lillard, who was resting for this one. Um, and now, Sage, the schedule kind of lightens up a smidgen in terms of the timing. Portland has three more home games on this four-game homestand, but the homestand doesn't end until the all until the trade deadline on February 7th. So they have essentially 11 days to play three games all at home. Uh, now is the time to not only uh, possibly bring in somebody new via trade, you get time to work them into your system, but time to get right time to rest, relax, let your mind take a bit of a break. Uh, you need, you need focus, but you also need breaks. I mean, uh, yo rest and recover, rest and recovery and teams playing well. What did you like over this past week? Outside of the Atlanta game, where Nurk didn't play well at all. Nurk's been killing it this this month. Dude's been putting up 20-plus usage rate, rebound rate, and assist rate. That's insanely good. The only player that does that right now is Vucevic. And Nurkic is at that level this month. I mean, that's better than Jokic. That's better than Embiid. That's better than every other center besides Vucevic. Nurk has been fucking killing it, man. I mean, I really want to talk about that performance in Utah. He got off to a slow start, but that third quarter, I think he had like 18 points um, in that third quarter alone. He finished with uh, 22 uh, six blocks, seven assists, eight rebounds, uh, a steal. Uh, he he flirted with a quadruple double, something that hasn't happened since Akeem Olajuwon did it in 1990. Um, that's one of those. I wasn't born that, yet. 
yeah, I'm waiting for that statistic to – someone's got to do it, but it's just, everyone's been so close. Uh, but he was legitimately close. He was doing it against the reigning defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, and he was – uh, playing to the crowd. He was th- talking a little shit, which I loved. And uh, Nurk's a guy when he is focused and the team makes a conscious effort to get him the ball, he's unstoppable. And that's kind of been my biggest beef is not necessarily with Nurk. I know he had a, a struggle against the Phoenix Suns in terms of his field goal percentage. I mean, he couldn't really throw it in the ocean against Phoenix, finished four for 13. But he was still getting good looks. And... You and I kind of discussed how he looked lost. I mean, you brought up the point. He looked lost without Damian Lillard. Like, nobody was looking to get him the ball against Dwayne Dedman and um, John Collins in that front line. Which had really <laughs> Omari no Spellman. Yeah, and Alex Len. They had no business being in that same court as him, but we didn't put him in the position to succeed. So the Blazers, in my opinion— will go as far as they allow themselves to go. And that seems silly, but for whatever reason, they are not hell-bent on force-feeding Nurkic the basketball, whether it's in the traditional post-up, down low on the block, or on that pick-and-roll, or letting him play the the high the high post where he was just dropping dimes to Jake Lehman. Uh, looked fantastic. And then you look at OKC when they, they made an adjustment the following night. Steven Adams played off him. Yet Nurkic was still able to hit that mid-range jumper. And that's where he's going to have to live because teams are going to adjust. They're going to see if you play up on him, he's going to hit the backdoor cutters. And in a seven-game series, Portland's going to have to make adjustments. So that's why it's so important to have guys who are, who are versatile. And, you know, Nurk had a monster night against Steven Adams in the Thunder. 9 of 17 from the floor, 22 points, 15 boards, um, just two blocks of steal and an assist. And... Just a really amazing week for Nurk, who continues to make a push. I think it's probably too little too late to give him All-Star Reserve um, nomination. But to me, I don't think there are 12 better players in the Western Conference than Yusuf Nurkic. I think the only way we can that other teams can stop Nurk is if the Blazers do it for him. He did it against Rudy Gobert in the Jazz, which is like, in theory, probably the worst possible matchup for Nurkic, right? You see growth from Nurk because if he sucked the first two quarters of a game, he isn't going to be good the third and fourth or the last few years he's been on the team. You see that growth that, like, even though shit's rough now, it can turn around. And, yo, like, that, that's the growth from Nurk that we need. Um, yeah, dude, dude has just been fantastic this month. This is the, He's legitimately, statistically, the second best center in the league right now, which is insane. Like, I I do think it's too late for an All Star bid, but like, it's been absolutely fantastic. And maybe the if he views it that way, the, a snub forces him to play with another chip on his shoulder and drives him over the next you know thirty plus games that we have to, to finish out this season. Uh, another element that I have been really fascinated on and it really started in the preseason was, was Jake Lehman. He had that 28, I think 28 point performance against the Phoenix suns. I was there with Olga as part of my ticket package and I was like, okay, you know, I'll take that with a grain of salt. And of course Jake, Jake started played the rookie Nick Batum role where he played like the first seven minutes of each quarter, the the first and the third, and then kind of never saw the light of day again. But then Mo Harkless 
was in and out of the lineup and he started getting more rhythm. And then it was really that performance that we saw in person against the Pelicans where he went kind of like Dame Steph Mm. on, on the rest of the defense and just had that spurt. And he really carried that over despite not starting. So it's interesting how the roles have been reversed. Mo Harkless is now the Jake Lehman and Jake Lehman is now the Mo Harkless where he's coming in after Mo and also part of that finishing five. And I really thought he had an extremely strong week outside of that OKC game. I mean, he is only a third year player who's really getting the first run of his career. So we can't be on it all of the time, but he was a huge reason we were able to knock off the Jazz. Those 12 points, only on nine shots, hit 67% of his attempts from three. And the backdoor lob threat we just have not had on this team probably since a Rudy Fernandez or LaMarcus Aldridge. <laughs> or a Mo Harkless uh, first year. Yeah, and he not only finishes the lob, but the one play that kind of stood out to me was we slipped the pick and roll. And I think it was... I can't remember who it was, but might have been Evan kind of dumped it over the top to him in the fourth quarter and Gobert was closing in on him and he flushed it home with two hands before Rudy could get there. And I was like, okay, this, this kid's legit. Um, Any other player is going to try and lay that up and it's going to get swatted all the way back, um, you know, to Arches national park in in Utah. But he has a really nice one dribble pull up. Um, He's, Still a little inconsistent with with the three, but he's got a nice form, so you have faith that that's going to improve. And he's just active. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's that's what I he is who I have wanted Mo Harkless to be for the past five years. Yeah. He is active. He plays <clears throat> with energy, and he gives us that element of athleticism that we just haven't had. Factor in Nurk playing more on the high pick and roll or the high post, excuse me, from the elbow reminds me a lot of when we had Marcus Camby throwing lobs and dimes. Um, obviously we've seen Sabonis do that back in the day. Uh, it just gives Portland's offense another element in yeah, the no. half court because I think I saw a stat and I don't know where I saw it from, but Damian Lillard's percentage of pick and rolls and isolations has decreased mm. a bit as he's played a little bit more off the ball. And we're working in elements of Evan Turner posting up Yusuf Nurkic, getting the ball, um, doing his his thing as well. And it just seems like the offense is getting more diversified. And that's how it has to be in the postseason. You have to give the opposition so many looks for them to game plan for. If we just run that high pick and roll, New Orleans set the blueprint on how to beat that. And other teams will do that. So it's up to Portland to find new ways to keep the defense at bay. And Jake Lehman, Yusuf Nurkic are two major surprises really mm. is the best way I can say it. I really think that Jake Lehman, I know, I know he's still on a second year, uh, a second round pick contract, but he needs to send a fruit basket to Julius Randall because that, I mean, that new Orleans Pelicans game was the reason for all of this, that added confidence, like the, I can score it on shit. I can score it in an NBA game and I can be like brilliant for, you know, a stretch I think that game was the is the catalyst for all the good play this this month. And dude, I, I know you're not I know you don't have, have the bread, but send Julius Randall and his lazy ass defense a, a fruit basket, man, because without that, you wouldn't be you you wouldn't be that hot, man. Again, we put Drew Holiday on Jake Lehman, bro. That's fucking insane. But yeah, Le- Lehman has added that wrinkle offensively that we've 
been dying for. Like, it, and I, I heard him say it on an interview. Like, yeah, if my guy's not looking at me, I'm doing the baseline cut. And it's like, man, we, we, we've wanted that from Mo Harkless for like three years. Cause there were times last year where the dude just didn't look at him and the baseline cut was open for the entire game and he was just in the corner. So it's just like, man. I don't know if, if Stotts gives him more freedom because he can shoot and drive, but like, or maybe Lehman's just doing his own thing and cutting when, when it, it is open to him. But like that added wrinkle, it, that, that's pretty huge, man. Cause it, it not only lights up the crowd, but it like gets the team hype when Lehman just blams it on someone. I mean, absolutely. And last, but you know, I, I can safely say definitely not least, I was super impressed with Myers Leonard this week. I really think he is a legitimate player in the league, albeit as a backup role. But what he brings is the equivalent, in my opinion, to a really dynamite pinch hitter in baseball. If you look at Myers, he had to me one of the biggest shots of the Utah game. Both he and Jake went back-to-back threes to start the fourth quarter um, after Utah went on a 7-0 run. I, we went into that with a, a six- or seven-point lead. Utah took it back, and I was like, oh, no, here we go again. The streak's going to end. Uh, we were leading after three. Jake comes off the curl, hits a three. They did a pick-and-pop with Myers. He hit a three, and he always seems to hit the ones that matter the most. And that, to me, that's a sign of a great shooter and someone who's comfortable in his role. I mean, you look at him, he only took four shots, hit three of them, two two of two from downtown against Utah, uh, played fairly well as one of the only bench players who played well against the Thunder. Again, three of five from the field, nine points. Um, doesn't play against the Suns. Either the matchup didn't call for it or we wanted to see more from Zach Collins. But with Damian Lillard resting, Nick Stauskas not returning due to uh, his leg injury. Evan Turner with left Achilles soreness. Um, Yusuf Nurkic went back to the locker room. We were wondering, you know, was he concussed? Was he not? Zach Collins wasn't doing a damn thing. And we're reeling a bit, Sage. The Hawks are making a run, and it's a tight game. We do not know who was going to win this game. And it would have been a catastrophic loss for the Trailblazers. Myers comes in and he hits a huge three, kind of rights the ship, and then he gets to the foul line overall in just nine minutes, nine points, perfect line from the field. Three of three from the field, uh, two of two from the foul line, one of one from downtown. That was incredible, and I tweeted it out, and I said, you know, low-key, I know CJ got the triple-double, but Myers Leonard was a major reason why we won this game. If he does not come in and provide those points – we could be having a much different tone of this podcast right now. And I would say we're looking at shedding salary. I do not want to trade Myers right now unless it is improving the team. He should not be seen as a salary dump. He has saved our ass legitimately more times than I think the average fan wants to admit. I know he has not been a fan favorite, but he has done a damn good job this year. You can't look at the salary. That is a sunk cost. He's Mm. just on the roster. He's playing what he is given. And he's given Portland a boost, bottom line. Would you be cool with him being your fourth or fifth big? He's Honestly, he's too good to be a fifth big. He is a perfectly fine backup center. Yeah. We have a beast in Yusuf Nurkic, who is more of a down-low threat. And he, he can hit the mid-range. But Myers is that big that you bring him in, and he's spreading out the floor. And he is 
percentage-wise, one of the best shooters in the NBA. And mm. he, he spaces, he opens everything up for, um, you know, our guards. And I think as, as a reserve, he's doing a, a really nice job. I mean, I, I don't think he's an all-star. I don't think he's going to set the world on fire. But No, he's bring, a rotation guy. Bring him in for 15 minutes a night. He's going to give you solid production. You know, yeah, He's going to try. Yeah, he hustles and he... He's a, a finisher at the rim, and um, now there are def- games where he, he shouldn't be on the floor, just like because of matchups. It's not like anything wrong with him. It's just if it's an athletic big, you're not going to want to put Myers in. So take salary out. He's a fine backup. Now, if you include salary, yeah, like that, it, we're we're overpaying for what he produces, but he honestly has been producing which is so much better for him than any point in time in his career really so he has stepped up and he has played well and he has been a rotation big which is hey i mean we picked him 11th in the 2012 draft he really hasn't produced until now but at least he's sort of been producing so i can't be mad at the fact neil shave you know felt some sort of way about the guy he drafted and sent him gave him more money than he deserved but like he has been producing, and he deserves to be an NBA player. And that is something that I didn't think I would be saying a year ago, two years ago. Anytime, really, you know, he was a major rotation piece, I was probably the one, the two of us that hated him. Like, he sucked. But now, like, he's feeling more comfortable in his role and isn't trying to do shit he's not good at. Like, of course, there's times where he passes it to nobody, but it's like, that's fourth big. It's a fourth big. It's It's fine, like. Would I, in the future, would I mind him and <clears throat> some athletic guy being the backup center? No, like he's fine. I just would like it to be at a more reasonable price for what his role is going to be in the future. But I don't want him gone. Yeah. Like, I don't need him gone. No, and I, I think you know we talked about those three: Nurk, Jake, Myers. This week made me happy. Um, what's really starting to bum me out, Zach Collins, dude, where, where is this kid? Like wh- what, what happened to him? He is getting playing time. Like he's getting 15 to, to 17 minutes a night. He's been MIA. Like, yeah, like I remember like I've been trying to tweet more on Twitter and shit. And like, I think I've only had one complimentary thing to say about Zach Collins. And I was like, off a pick and roll, he defended it well once. He hasn't been do- playing well, but like, there's bits and pieces of his game that you watch, and it's like, okay, this dude's good. This dude has talent, but for whatever reason, like that confidence is gone, or like maybe we need to play New Orleans again, or or a team that's just bad offensively, so he can get his confidence up. I, I don't know, but like you, there's bits and pieces of his game. It's like, damn, that pick and roll defense was on point, or man, that 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 pass or whatever, like whatever, like there's still bits and pieces of his game. It's like, okay, this is good, but he hasn't been doing well in like two months. Where it's like, oh, this is this is the guy we picked tenth, and uh, you know we've we've talked a lot like via text, like man, just think if we pick John Collins and OG Ananube and Derek White with our three first-round picks. You still think that, but, like, 
you look at it, it's like there's some talent, but damn, there's so many good players that have shown a lot more than what Zach Collins has this year. That's what makes the pill hardest to swallow and easier to swallow if you're talking about a Myers Leonard. You look at that 2012 draft past Drummond. Yes, Draymond Green's an outlier, uh, but that was a second round pick. Like there was really nobody. After yeah, no Myers. one knew Middleton was going to be that good or. Middleton was a second round pick too. Yeah. So if we're, if we're talking like in the vicinity where people projected guys to go 10, maybe even 12 picks after Myers, there, there's nobody. There was nothing. After Still, Austin was gone, like Austin was gonna be your pick, our pick, uh, but New Orleans picked him up. Like it was who the, who was there? Like Jared Sullinger, who's back Tyler was, Zeller. Yeah, like there there's no one there, so you you don't feel it as was a nine man draft or a ten man draft. So you know that's why that pill was easier to swallow when you look at as Zach Collins. There's Malik Monk, who I think would be better in a better system. There's Donovan Mitchell, who looks like the next Dwayne Wade. John Collins, OG, Kyle Kuzma, Jordan Bell, Derek White. I mean, that draft, Jared Allen, I mean, who's blocking everything left and right for the Brooklyn Nets. Like, that draft is going to go down, I think, as one of the greatest of all time. And we ended up with Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan, who I don't know if, if Caleb Swanigan's going to get his contract picked up. Like, I, I, I just, It's bad. Um. And what's tough is Neil O'Shea is usually such a. Why do you think he fell in love with Zach Collins? What if you had to guess? What was the thing that Neil saw? Oh, I, can, I can tell why he fell in love with Zach Collins. Zach Collins, from from all things aside, really looks like he could be a, a young Jermaine O'Neal, a Jaron Jackson Jr. type of pro. I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Zach Collins have, have similar skill sets. I mean, Zach's defensive flashes look brilliant. Um, we just don't see them enough. Like, I it, even if his offense isn't there, I want to see Zach Collins challenging shots, blocking weak side attempts. You know, grabbing re- grabbing rebounds, not committing so many stupid fouls. He goes for the pump fake way too often, and he's not. He's what I think bugs me one of the most is he'll talk shit to the opponent and he'll get pissed off. But he plays soft sometimes, mm-hmm. especially when he goes up and grabs the rebound. Like I've seen him get just pushed out of position too many. Like he needs to use his length and his size to to be more dominant on the backboard. Like I, defense sh- should come earlier than offense. Um, but what's I, the most important part of defense? Time. I think it's going to take some time for him to get going on offense because he's shown some beautiful post moves. Um, his jumper is just way too inconsistent. Um. Zach, I think, is a long-term project, but why Neil fell in love with him is you've got a seven-foot big, pretty fluid, pretty athletic, can run up and down the court, can defend with the best of them, and he has potential to be a really fucking good offensive player. My question is, will he ever reach that? Because a lot of players just don't. don't. Mm -hmm. And two, there was a lot of fucking good talent that you could have had without trading up to get him that are just as young as him, and they're producing so much more right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about his potential defense, but like literally, the most important part of defense is getting the rebound after you defend. Like the ending possessions, shown some uh, unwillingness to end those possessions for him. And I know, like last year, he had Ed Davis to. You know, be the garbage man and get those those rebounds. But man, there's been a lot. There's a lot of talent in that draft, man. Could you imagine if we just stayed pat 
and we took OG John Collins, neither Derek White or like Kuzma or Jordan Bell, we would be the team that would be like, oh, are they going to have have a package to go after Anthony Davis? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's why that draft was so important, why we harped on it for so long and still are to this day is because it was so important and it was so loaded. Mm-hmm. And Olshay has done a fantastic job drafting since he since he got here. Um, Jake Lehman found him as a second round trade. Yeah, we didn't he, even I, know about him. Like, no, I had shocked. no idea who yeah, he was. I was yeah. pissed off. I wanted Gary Payton the second. And who had, uh, like has been in the fucking G League and like. You know, a rat like he hasn't even found a home yet, man. Um, you know, he found Will Barton. He found Alan Crabb got a sixteen million dollar year contract based upon Neil O'Shea. Um, obviously took CJ in the late lottery. Uh, Dame was a no brainer, uh, but he is time and time again found a really good talent through the draft, and it it just sucks that um, outside of the twenty twelve draft, twenty seventeen was the year to make our noise because that's how we have to improve internally. And we had three picks and, you know, I, that's why I'm more inclined to say, Hey, if a team really wants that Collins and it can bring us somebody who can win now, who's n- definitely not past their prime. They're either just entering it or they're there. Young vet. Let's go. Shit. Let's fucking go, man. Like we got Nurk. We have Dame. We, my only fear is that by the time Zach Collins is ready to, to do work, Dame's going to be past his prime. I know this is like hindsight twenty twenty, but like a twenty one year old say a twenty one year old me said CJ McCollum was the third best prospect in that draft. I know I've missed on Giannis, but like literally I thought it was Victor who, you know, prayers to for his injury, Otto Porter and CJ, like I don't know if I can give Neil O'Shea that credit because I saw that shit at age twenty one. <laughs> But I mean, shout out to him for picking him. But like, I mean, Neil Neil was on CJ for a while. Like, he was one of the only two GMs to actually travel to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, to watch Lehigh play basketball. I mean, he he had identified CJ for a while. So I will give Neil credit for that because a lot of GMs passed on CJ. Minnesota took Shabazz Muhammad. The Utah Jazz took Trey Burke. I mean, both of those teams would love to have. CJ McCollum and CJ got his chance to shine against the Atlanta Hawks and he fucking delivered his first career triple double 28 10 and 10 um six of he got to the foul line seven times which he is got 10 that, rebounds which made me proud one steal I mean he got to the line seven times though what have we talked about yeah if you're gonna dribble the basketball so much at least get to the line I mean his field goal percentage wasn't great but I mean 10 of 23 is something we've seen Dame do quite a bit um he only had three turns um overall like he proved why he needs to run his own team Mm. and it's not that he's not talented it's just he and dame are just too dang similar yeah so i I was looking at stats in the last like four years how many times has he uh gotten tennis in a game cj yeah that was a career high tennis i think it matched a career high yeah so twice yeah damn it fuck so but i was like looking i was like okay because there was a lot of talk about him being a playmaker. And I was like, okay, I got to see how many times he's gotten this fucking 10 assist mark. And it's like twice in fucking four years. He's not a playmaker for others. He's a playmaker for himself. He's a shot creator. He gets his own shot. But let, let's let talk about the matchup. It's Atlanta. I talked about it last week where they're like, they're the premium. There's two premium matchups if you're trying to get stats. Stats on stats on stats. It's Cleveland and Atlanta. 
Cleveland's just dog shit defensively. Atlanta's so fast you get extra possessions. So I knew whoever ran point is going to get a shitload of extra stats. What surprised me was him getting those 10 rebounds. Like that, that, that was what made me happy. I don't, like, if Damian Lillard is healthy, I don't really want to see CJ running point on the, with the starters. I just don't. I, it, it, you know, we almost lost to the Atlanta Hawks. So obviously he can do it in a pinch. He can. He's six three. He's not going to play any other position besides point and shooting guard. But man, like that was, it was a rough. It was rough offensively. Like we didn't get Nurk the ball enough, who has been dominant. I mean, it was Seth Curry and CJ getting biz, which is fine. But like, man, we needed to get our bigs the ball. So I'm I'm happy as hell that he got his triple double. Good shit. Let's not put you in a position where you have to run point for 30 plus. Yeah. And I think while the offense wasn't anything that I was uh, super worried about, it, it was um, brutal, though. We put up 120. Yeah. So I'll take 120 every night. And like you said, CJ and Seth were getting buckets. Mo shot seven of 11. Chief shot four or five. Uh, Myers is three for three. Like we had guys who were rolling. Offensively is not my gripe. Yes, I think we should have went to Nurkic more. And kind of slowed the game down. My problem was defensively. I mean, my God, why were we going under Trey Young screens? Uh, there was just no hedging. He was getting into the lane way too often, shooting that floaters um, basically uncontested and really just just poor defensive effort. And yeah, it, I mean, it Kevin Herter, a three point shooter, got to got into the paint. Oh, yeah, he missed a shitload, but he got there. Man, like. We gave up interior pressure so easily, Doug. I mean, Torian Prince was living in the mid-range in that mm-hmm. first half. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, he cooled off, but he had, I, I think, like four or five buckets just in the paint first half, which... And we were just getting abused by the John Collin lob, too. Yeah, and so we were, we're up, I think, like 10 or 11. We had leftover pizza. Olga and I went downstairs to, to take care of it after the first quarter. I think I grabbed a beer. Feeling good. I come up and I see Blazers have called timeout. I missed literally 40, 49 seconds of the second quarter and they had went on an 8-0 run. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I could not believe this. And it's like, Blazers, you, you cannot play with fire. You're, you're just not good enough. You, you have to focus. And you look at the plus minus. Every starter was at least a plus 12. Mm-hmm. Um, four of the five were at least a plus 21. And nobody on the bench had a plus rating. I mean, you look at guys like, Jake and Zach and ET were negative 12, 14. I mean, it was, it was pretty, pretty brutal um, that our bench is the most high variance aspect of this team. Like you literally don't know what you're going to get on a nightly basis. So I hope we make a move that we can just shore up that, that bench because all of the great teams have had guys that can come in and you know exactly what you're going to get. Why has Denver been so successful? Because they have guys like Monty Morris and Malik Beasley who, are going to provide. They're, they're not going to go off every night, but they're going to be consistent. And that's why consistent they've been able to, to win games. We need consistency, and you're just not going to get it with, with Evan Turner as your sixth man. So there was, uh, there was a rumor that we were interested in Torian Prince. There was a rumor that we were interested in Jeremy Lin. How did those two look to you in that game versus the Blazers? I really wasn't too impressed with, with Jeremy Lin. I, I know he's kind of your boy, but he shot the ball 13 times. Seems a bit much. Um, he 
He's not going to blow by anybody off the dribble. Really not athletic enough to to finish around unless he has enough space. Um, but he got there. He got there so easily. Doesn't matter if you can yeah, get there. Yeah. I mean, I've seen many a Blazers and past who had million dollar moves and ten cent finishes. I mean, it, you got to put it together. Mm. I mean, it's also against our defense too. So yeah, of course you're going to get there. I was not a fan of Jeremy Lin. Um, I think we can do better in terms of uh, if we need a backup point guard. I would much rather honestly have Garrett Temple uh, if if that's out not there. Not running point, but yes. Um. Yeah, not a huge fan of Jeremy Lin. I thought Torian Prince played a really strong first half, missed some shots he probably could have made in the second half. Um, played pretty good defense. As, played as, good defense. Like, like he he, was his active. hands were on the ball a lot. Yeah, he was active. You know, I think if you can get him for a discount, he's going to look a lot better in a Blazers system with Dame, Dame and Nurk than he is with, with Trey Young and John Collins. And then all the bullshit around those guys. Yeah, uh, so... Uh, the sporting news came out with a rumor that the Blazers were interested in Memphis's uh, Jamichael Green and Garrett Temple. Uh, I know we've both been a big fan of Jamichael, mm-hmm. but what, what do you feel about those? Both players are unrestricted at the end of next year. So is it just a, a way to shed salary? Is it a way to re-sign them next? Like, what, what are we looking for there? I think, I mean, Garrett Temple is stand in the corner, shoot threes when passed to him make it at like a 37% clip and play better defense than the Blazers can do. Like he plays decent defense. will put up an effort. Good locker room guy. I've watched him since he was in LSU. Like he's, he is what he is. He's going to play defense, hit some threes and stand in the corner and look pretty. Wait for Dame to break down the defense. And if his man, you know, go goes for the help, he'll hit the three. I think that uh, Jamichael would be a fan favorite, and he'd be the type of guy that would look really nice with our in our core bigs. I I would resign Jamichael and let Garrett walk, and I love Garrett Temple, but Garrett what Temple is, would fill a role this year. Yeah, and if you're Portland, Memphis has a lot of salary, so they're just looking to probably get picks or young guys back. So I think that's a deal if you wanted to. I think we could easily have those two for for Evan Turner in a first-round pick protected. So dribble, pass, shoot, if that was on the table, E.T. first. I'm not even dribbling. I'm just shooting, Doug. I don't care. Michael and Garrett Temple? Yeah, I'm just shooting, Doug. I don't even care if there's someone contesting me. I'm shooting. I dribble only because we still have 11 days before the all-star or for the trade deadline so as what if talk- it was the pick that what if it was the trade that happened at the day of oh, would okay. you be cool with it you'd be fine with it, it means we struck there, out on they- blake it means we struck out on aaron gordon and this is what we got how would you feel about it there would have to be another move because Jamichael Green is too good to be stuck in a logjam with Nurk, Aminu, Zach Collins, and Myers Leonard. Like that's five. Just bigs. imagine like, Aminu's gone. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, what what else did we get? Like because to me, I look at the trade deadline from you know a ten thousand foot view and say, okay, what were the moves that we made? grade that as a whole instead of maybe and then maybe breaking down trade by trade so it's hard for me but if you're putting me on on the spot i would feel okay um 
I don't think I would be stoked just because I, I, I still don't love giving away first round picks unless I feel like we're getting something of, and it feels like it would just be a salary dump. Um, although I have Evan heard, Turner off our salary. Yeah, would we would dope. be able to sign, have the full mid-level rather than the taxpayer mid-level for free agency next year, which could be nice. I mean, um, I hate Julius Randle with a passion, but Pelicans got him for the full exactly. MLE. So yeah, I would feel okay. I mean, again, it's it's tough. Um, I think Jamichael is a really strong player, but and then like he has no future with Grizzlies because they got uh, Jaron Haxon the third. Haxon? He fouls so fucking much. <laughs> Yo, yeah. Yeah. So it, I w- I would be cool with it, um, but we would have to make another move because he's too good. That would just be way too many bigs. Mm-hmm. And then you're stunting Zach Collins' growth and his trade value is going to go down. Um, it, it's, it'd just be a cluster. So hopefully that's not the only move that we had. Uh, I know Eric Gunderson proposed it, but I was also just thinking about it internally. Um, any interest, if you're Neil O'Shea, in just seeing what it would take to get Mike Conley uh, out of Memphis? <sighs> For one, he's getting up there. He's like 29, 30 years old massive contract so i think there's definitely cons to this there definitely is memphis is not going to get top dollar on his return no not at all i'm trying to imagine how the offense would be ran would dame be off ball more because mike conley needs to have the ball he's that type of cerebral point guard so would you imagine dame being off ball more I would say, and someone again brought this up, how the Rockets use Harden and Paul. So I would envision it more like either is going to bring the ball up the court. You just basically are giving yourself another ball handler, someone to get the ball into the bigs. And maybe da- maybe they play the first six minutes of the game together and then you're just constantly Stagger. staggering. So, so you always have Dame or Conley on the court. and um, I think he would be an incredible addition if you can get him. Are we trading CJ? My thought is if you could give up two picks and just match salary. So it would be like uh, this year, 21. I would give unprotected too. Two unprotected, 1921, and then Evan Turner or Mo Harkless, that type of shit. And Bubba, would CJ be the three or the two? For uh, like 36 minutes a game. Yeah, CJ yeah. just plays straight, straight too. Okay. <sighs> I would do it if it was that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, honestly, if I, if we traded CJ, I would probably do it. I would think about it, but then it's just like, man, we have an elite point guard for 48 minutes of the game. And it'd be fun to see. I, I like Mike Conley, and I think he could do well in a different, more like up-paced system. I would want more shooters in our starting like if it yeah I'd want more shooting but I could I I would do it yeah I don't think I think Memphis might get more but I would do that right I would uh I wouldn't mind him on the squad yeah I mean I just I mean I I love all of the grit and grind guys they have I mean those players just embody what Wes Matthews brought to Portland in his prime and you know that's when Portland I felt was really dangerous in the postseason. I mean, he's got deep postseason experience. I think he wants to win. 
Um, he hasn't won in Memphis in a long time, and he's never caused a ruckus. No, he's a good team. dude. He is just the consummate teammate. Um, I think if you have to bring him off off the bench, however that works, like to me, this would strictly be a buy supremely low. Like they put him on the market due to his contract and his age. Memphis is not going to be able to get a, a, an all star in, mm. in return or or even a budding budding young player like this would also be playing defense like I don't want him going anywhere the fuck near Utah. If he goes to Utah, that would make the Jazz just so a nasty. monster of a roster. So nasty. So that's almost why it's like, OK, there are reasons just to do this so other teams don't get him like I honestly think. I really do. I think it could work. I think the more players you have that can create their own shot, that can get into the paint, spread it out. Let's talk about defensively in the playoffs, though. Conley's play good D. Yeah, but he's short. Like we're we would probably we play Damon CJ. True. Can get much worse than that, man. Well, no, it'd be a much better defense. <sighs> I would do it. Yeah, I mean, like I would love to see what Conley can do for like our young guards and shit too, because we would have two really good mentors. But I, I, would I don't think this so. would happen. But yes, I would like it. I would say I would do that and see how it worked out for half of a season and playoffs. And then if it worked, keep everything the same. If it didn't, then you have so much leverage to trade CJ for that three or the four. Mm. Now you're really looking like. You've got your backcourt set. You've got Nurk, and then whatever you can get for CJ. I mean that that squad looks like a contender. Didn't man? This is a throwback team that I just thought of. Didn't uh, the Milwaukee Bucks do it with GP Sam Gasell and then Big Dog Robinson? They might have, yeah, because they traded Ray Allen for GP. Yeah, hey, we we know basketball. <laughs> we could be the Milwaukee Bucks of two thousand one. I mean, I. I am all about just upgrading the overall talent. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, Mike Conley's talent level is just supremely higher than Evan Turner's and whatever bunch of shit we would trade for Mike Conley. So have you have you heard of any other rumors? Do you think it's going to come, like, day of the, the deadline Portland makes the move? Or is it going to be a little bit further back like the Nurkic move was? The Nurkic move, I think, still gave quick. Like, yeah. It gave us, like, two weeks before the deadline, like... I don't know what dominoes Neil's waiting to fall. Um, I'm certain he's got a couple of deals dangling out there, but yeah, you have to assume that he has like plan A, B, C, D, and E. You'd have like, to assume that he has that shit, right? We're he's com- yeah, still we're- competent, right? He has to have more than one idea of what I he's doing, so. right? He better. I mean, his, <laughs> job, his job is on the line. Yeah, and there's only 30 of these motherfuckers in the world. Like, he has to be thinking, okay, this isn't 100%. I better get this lined up and this lined up and this lined up. You have to imagine him who has been in the league for a long time and, oh, God. if Yeah, he, I think he, he has to have multiple deals lined up. So it's just dominoes that only he knows that have to fall before he pulls the trigger on whatever it is. I don't want to get my hopes up, but I think if I'm dribble passing shooting, I'm shooting on the idea that he makes a big splash. I don't think it's going to be. It has to be a big splash, bro. His it's not going to be a tax saver move. A tax saver move. He is going to get us a legit player. 
and yes, I may be setting myself up for for failure. Um, you know, but you know, if you set yourself up for failure, you know, it also is getting set up for failure. Neil Olshay. Yeah, I mean, so he's got he's got to deliver, and I, I I think the way the team's playing, we need that that extra punch, and so I I, I expect him to wow me at the deadline. Do you think like we're hearing like you know nice moves that are being leaked? And you know Neil doesn't leak shit. So it's like, is it something like throwing a name out there, Harrison Barnes, that level of, or is it higher? If I'm being honest, I would rather have Tory and Prince than Harrison Barnes. So Harrison Barnes would not get me going at all. Um, I, I'm open for nicer. Like, really, like if he's not picking up the phone and at least calling New Orleans and be like, "What's up, guys?" Like. Mm-hmm. Like I, no, I well, he's doing I himself a disservice. We'll find out whether that happened or not. But if no, I'm never. him, I'm I'm shooting there first, then maybe going to Blake and seeing what Detroit. Detroit, you guys aren't making the playoffs even with Blake. Let us help you out long term. Yeah. So I'm hoping he goes that route first. Like I do not want Kevin Love with a ten foot pole. Get me away from that dude. Um, that would be a a bad big move in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there are bad big moves. They're absolutely there. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that CJ performance could have come at a better time. Like mm-hmm. triple double less than two weeks before the deadline. Dame did not play. That's also a sneaky conspiracy theory that I have is that they wanted to showcase CJ against yeah, the best Dame, possible matchup. Yep. Dame's kind <laughs> of been banged up a little bit here and there. We got, you know, three days off until we play the jazz. That's a sneaky conspiracy theory. Mm. The Blazers specifically rested Dame so they could showcase CJ. Damn. You know, like, I rem- I, shit, I remember us talking about trading Mason Plumley whenever we did. I don't remember. These these podcasts have run Two together. years ago, yeah. Two years we, ago. We, we were so, playing like dog shit. He was a restricted free agent. We had to move him off our books. But what, you remember what we were talking about? It was Jason Smith in a first. It wasn't Nurkic. It wasn't. Or- well, it was also it was the first round pick was the big deal, or it was maybe we got Jaleel Okafor from Philly. Yeah, those so were the two moves we were both like hyped on. We had no idea we were going to get Nurk thrown yeah. in because you had hyped up Nurk. I think the very first year we started podcasting, we were like watch out for this dude, um, and I was like, okay, you know, we keep the lookout, and sure enough, we got him as a throw in. Like, I don't think we're going to get lucky like that this mm. time around. But uh, it it like. It wasn't what we were expecting. We were expecting Jaleel, or we were expecting Jason Smith in a first from Washington. But we got the he first. Might. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we weren't even thinking trading for our own division. Neil can be tricky and sneaky like that. Because, I mean, all the trades that he's made, we weren't expecting. Oh, absolutely. If you really think, well, maybe that Alan Crabb. We were expecting a flallow. I, I was expecting Alan Crabb. But, like... Other than that, like he's been pretty sneaky. I mean, that's the that's the thing when you don't share any of your information with the media, or you know, you only trust uh, Woj after you made the agreement. It's like we don't really know what the fuck he's thinking. So he could be just on some fucking like we we ain't even on his level type of thinking. What if he's going after Kemba, like that type of shit? He could be thinking that like. There's a lot of things we don't know, and we are just guessing. So he could definitely surprise us tomorrow, and then, you know, everything we thought could happen is just not. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. So what name that we haven't discussed would kind of wow you? To me, I've seen it thrown out on the the Sports 2 message boards, and it, and it makes a little bit of sense. I don't know if they'll do it because they're probably gearing up to make a pitch for AD, but what about a guy like Jalen Brown? Like, that's... That would I don't wow. think I don't think Boston would do it. And no, the, but they're, they're not trying. Playing, they're, but he's not getting playing time. He no. is a young player. He's shown he can produce. Like that's the type of dude who would be like, okay. I just don't, like yo. Boston's getting Anthony Davis. They're not. They're not trying to weaken their pitch. Boston's not getting AD. I've, fuck. Fuck the Celtics. They're they're not going to do shit. They they ran their their luck's running out. So man, let's try and think. That Kemba one's starting to sound all right to me. No, MJ's not dealing Kemba. I think they're going to sign him in, in the offseason. Like, mm. they want... The Hornets are delusional enough to think they can con- contend. That sucks. Um... Washington's not going to trade Brad Beal. No, well... We, talk, we talked about that one a lot. Yeah. yeah? I would be fu- I'd be upset about Otto Porter. I don't want Otto Porter in his $25 million contract. Exactly. And then, man, then we have to baby him. We have to what baby $25 million. Kelly Oubre? Can they Phoenix trade him? Has, Phoenix has a plethora of small forwards. Josh Jackson, Mikel Bridges, rookies and second-year players, they're going to have to pay Kelly Oubre as, an un, as a restricted free agent next year. Um, I think Oubre gets moved. I mean, I, No, I think TJ Warren gets moved. In that of TJ Warren, yeah. they have way too many small forwards. So I think if you're, Phoenix is a team that I think wants wants picks, wants salary relief, or just even vets to help them with that locker room. They just don't have any leadership. No, they have none. Um, so that's a team that I would keep an eye on. You say TJ Warren. I say Kelly Oubre. Um, I think Oubre would be really nice on this team. Oubre is getting some minutes on that team, though. And he'd get Madison Portland too. He'd be the starter in Portland. Sorry, I burped. That's all good. <laughs> um, shit. Sacramento's a team to look out for. Um, Give me the Bogon. If it starts to, I don't think they'll trade. I think he's fire. I don't think they'll trade him. He's fucking um, fire. Yeah, that's why I want him. Sacramento. If I think right now they're a buyer. If the deadline happened today, because they they want to make the playoffs. Mm. It has been I think since '06. Since they made the postseason, but I believe they are one of the only teams that has cap space at the moment. So they could take on a deal and get, acquire a pick. Um, they've got also, you know, some 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 nice young young pieces. Uh, Willie Cauley Stein, uh, Justin Jackson, the the rookie from North Carolina. Um, they have some pieces that they might move. I don't necessarily know if it's a perfect match for Portland, but keep an eye on Sacramento. I Nico Meritic. What's that? Nico Meritic. Would you do Zach Collins? Nope. I, I'm not a big fan of Zach right now, but I know what Meritic can do, and I think we can find a player of that caliber without having to give up Zach Collins. See, uh, I'm willing to move Zach Collins if it's part of like a, a Blake Griffin type of deal hmm. where we're where Zach Collins is part of that package. Nico might be an option for us, though. Yeah, I mean, if we yeah. could get Nico for like, what would you say, a menu and a first? I was going to say Myers in a first. Mo Harkless in a first, and you got yourself a deal. I don't think we take it. Well, shit, Mo Harkless would be the best small forward this team's had. Yeah, let's do it. Let's make it so. Man. (laughs) 
God, that sucks. That sucks saying that, too. Um, you have to take a solo, though. Um, nope. <laughs> we already virtually high-fived that that deal is done. Man. There, there's definitely, like... What about this? This would be Galaxy Brain. Portland gives up two future second-round picks and uses their Noah Vonley trade exception for Noah Vonley. <laughs> You know what's crazy? Like I watched a re- I read a Bleacher Report article, and it said Noah Vonley is a top 100 player, which I think he is. Like legitimately, I think he is. And I know this is going to trigger some people, but it's like he's improved on so many aspects of his game playing in New York. Like, dude, you see him playing center. You see him playing power forward. He's getting minutes. He's getting consistent minutes over Kevin Knox. He's been producing like a motherfucker. And, like, if he came back to Portland, it's not like this confidence of beasting NBA talent is going to go away. He's going to play hard and well and all that shit. Man. (laughs) You know, it sucks, man. I was... If I was thinking that we would trade that Noah Vonley exception for a guy that we could trade now. Like, so, at the beginning of the year, if we traded for Jody Meeks with that exception, we could have traded the salary of Jody Meeks along with actual players, but, you know, I guess adding $3.5 million on a trade isn't an important move, Terry. Or fucking Neil, whatever your fucking name is. But, like... What's gonna be tough, though, is I think Woj wrote an article... Uh, it was late last week where he said right now there's only five or six teams that are are selling. And I think that was um, Chicago, New York, Cleveland, I think Phoenix, and now and now Memphis. And I think maybe Atlanta might have, have been on that. But right now a lot of teams are in the market to buy. Mm. They're, the supply, demand. Um, I will he, say New Orleans will sell if they continue to lose. Zach Lowe said he was the number one, the Pelicans are the number one buyer at the moment. I think they'll sell if they continue to lose. If AD's out, I think they sell. Yes, th- things can change over the next yeah. next week. But right now, there's a surplus of teams that are trying to buy, and there's not many that are Did are you selling. see that Drummond is on the trading block now? Yeah, I don't know if he fits in today's yeah, I mean, he, I mean, dude. Shit, I wouldn't mind getting all those rebounds if I was a different team. We have no need for him. Yeah, no zero need for him. So that's that is something to keep an eye on too. And I, and I know Neil might use it as a crutch if he doesn't get a deal done. But it is another. And then hurdle. he just gets that pink slip. And that that's another hurdle he is going to have to. You know, when you're looking at deals, like keeping a realistic out 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 um mindset is. That you've got a lot of teams, especially in the West, who want to buy, and that could drive up the price on a guy like Torian Prince because you've got maybe the Jazz or maybe the Thunder or the Nuggets who are also trying to get him. Yeah, competing. And there's only so many uh, Torian Princes available right now. Mm-hmm. So that that's going to be a shift, and I think New Orleans is a good one. Maybe they were seen as a buyer, but with all of the injuries and they're just racking up losses, uh, they're they're pretty far out of the playoff picture yeah. right now. They're the the third worst team in the mm-hmm. West and four. would you take each one more for like two seconds on this team? I just don't maybe next year, but we already have Seth and then we have Jake and we have Nick Stauskas who can come into pinch. Yeah. Each one more is a nice player, but you want Julius Randall for a second. 
I would take Julius Randle for a second. Yeah, All absolutely. Right. Then I'd have to deal with him and for an entire year. Yeah, Fuck I would. That shit. I would do that. <laughs> I, I think he would be okay in Portland system. I like guys who can put the ball on the floor. We just don't have enough that can do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would. I'm very anxious to see how this trade deadline uh, shakes out, and I think a lot of pressure is is on Neil. But let's talk about the the next slate of games. Uh, One thing right I want to mention when we're uh, talking about uh, trades that we think. Because we can't do podcasts every day anymore. If we think of trades, let's just post them on Twitter. See what the the community thinks. All right, let's take a quick break. Today's show is brought to you by Vinyl Me, please. Join the Record of the Month Club at www.joinvmp.com forward slash holy backboard. All right, everybody, Dustin and Sage here on the Holy Backboard Podcast. Just one game next week, and it is against the Utah Jazz. I believe this is the fourth time we played them in like a four or five week span. They obviously waxed us by about 60 combined points the first two meetings. Um, Portland rebounded last Monday with a huge victory. I think the best win of the season, mm. and that does it was crucial too. Crucial. It keeps the tiebreaker alive. Um, I think it might have been more impressive than the win at Golden State, which is saying a lot. But that's how important it was. They beat them 109-104. Dame's going to be having probably at least a week off of rest. The team in general. He's playing this game. Oh, yeah. the team. There's no reason to risk a CJ McCollum point guard game if Damian Lillard's healthy. No, there's no reason. There there was no left knee. He he was straight resting. So he's had five days. The team will have three days. Uh, Portland... Because this is an awful matchup for CJ point guard game. The fourth and final matchup with the Utah Jazz. Just like last year, Portland dropped the first two. They have a chance to win the next two. Um, And this would be huge because Utah is really coming along and are nipping at Portland's ankles from from the bottom of the Western Conference, trying to get up to the home court advantage seeds. And knowing we have such a, a tough February... We need to get this one in January. Mm-hmm. And for Portland to do that, to me, whenever they play well against the Utah Jazz, it's just a concerted effort to get not only nurk the ball, but a concerted effort to value every possession. Like, yeah. I, I just notice whenever we lose to Utah, we kind of get a little lackadaisical or we take plays off. And when you play the Jazz, it's just like playing – the nineties Nebraska Cornhuskers, when you had Tommy Frazier running that, that option, they would just run the ball and run and run and run. And they would eat up the clock and being but down faster seven, pace than us being down seven would feel like you're being down 28. I mean, so with Utah, you have to keep that game close mm. and you have to find a way to let Nurk get involved, whether that's the high pick and roll, whether that's the, the high post, um, he, I think he more than any player is the key Dame, I think can, can get it done. I mean, he had 26, eight and eight, that, that last performance. And he was really starting to turn that corner on that defense and get those layups. So, um, but this wasn't is a it, big, uh, this is NATO? a big game game. Wasn't it NATO playing point? No, NATO didn't play very much. Cause it was nope. Rubio coming back from the injury. NATO did not play at all. He wasn't even listed on their box score. Damn. I think, yeah, it was like the first day uh, 
Ricky came back. So, like, yep. obviously you're eating off a dude just coming back because they're never in shape when they come back from injury. Or, you know, game trip. But, like, yeah, I think Nurk is the key. I think Mitchell's going to fall back to Earth since uh, Rubio's back. Gobert's still very nice. Still very I don't know. I worry about Donovan Mitchell. He was able to get into the teeth of our defense and made that game closer than it had to be at the end. Um, so for me, the key is to force him. I would go under Donovan Mitchell screens. Yes, I know he's shooting, uh, I think, during this stretch, like 40% from three or a very high number. But he was only two of eight that last matchup. It was him getting to the line, 10 of 12 from the free throw line. You take away the two of eight. He was 50%, 10, 10 of 20 from the two-point land. And uh, he has the ability to slow down games, take it over, work that pick and roll and lob to Rudy. So Portland needs to cut him off. And what they did very well was they ran Joe Ingles off of the off mm-hmm. of the three-point line. He only had three attempts. I thought that was the key we were able to win. He is Utah's X factor. Whenever he gets going, the Jazz get going. So we only allowed him seven field goal attempts. So... For me, those are the keys. Uh, limiting Utah to one possession. Uh, it's so hard. I feel like they've gotten better offensively. Like I was mm. surprised. Like we we came out that game last Monday in Utah and we're throwing everything at them. I mean, I think Jake started off the game with a dunk and we were just getting buckets left and right. They were matching us bucket for bucket and they look really good on offense. And Kyle Korver the two matchups they won came in and just produced. So our bench at home rested really needs to, 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 to bring the noise. Our expirings for Tabo Cephalosia, who's a bio and Royce O'Neal. Nope. Okay. Um, I, I don't think Royce O'Neal is a starting caliber NBA player. Like I, I just think he's so average. Shit. We would take average though. <laughs> I don't. Think um, I do not think he's better than Mo Harkless, and that's saying a lot. I mean, yo, looking at the stats of the Utah Jazz, like they're mid-paced team and like one of the best defensive teams. That's pretty good shit, Quinn Snyder. That's pretty hard to do. Be fast and good at defense. You usually have to choose one. <laughs> so shout out to them. It's gonna be a tough game. It's in Rose. It's in the Rose Garden. It's in the RG, right? Yeah, we've already played, we've already played them twice. Okay, so I think I think we win just because of the fans. The fans have to show out because like the Rose Garden gives you that that advantage of the home court and stuff like that. So and, and obviously rotation players play better at home. So I, I think we win just because it's at home. Yeah, I also don't love that Utah plays tonight in Minnesota, but then they have two days off, so we're really not catching them mm. on any sort of. We um, might be at a disadvantage because we rested more. We could Come be. Out um, I'll, flat. I'll always take rest, especially after that Atlanta game. Hopefully, they can kind of focus uh, a little bit more and just just regroup. What do you this think about a- Seth Curry's uh, rise in production from? Absolute dog shit to an actual NBA player. I mean, I think, again, he is trying to look for his own shot. He was playing extremely timid Mm. uh, the first 30, 40 games of the season. I I noticed that when Seth plays well, he scores off off of the fast break. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, we were undefeated when he scores nine or more points. Um, But he is really deadly when he gets an open look. His downfall is he's not able to create off the dribble for himself. 
But if he does play with the ball in his hands a bit more, I think we need to see him more maybe a pick-and-roll scenario where he can be a, a threat to to shoot the ball mm-hmm. as well as distribute. But I love seeing him on the fast break just pull up for the three or somebody finding him in transition. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Portland needs to run more, get more looks in the mm-hmm. open court. He that's where he flourishes. And if someone goes um, under on that screen, he better pull every single time. Exactly. So he forces defenses to go over, which allows more room to make that pocket pass to yeah. the, the screener. There's there's a lot there. I've liked his production. Uh, he's he was so bad up. earlier this year, bro. Yeah, but he didn't play at all last year. So maybe that was just a, a long layoff where he yeah. was just really trying to get his his groove because he's, you know, with with Damian Lillard, he was invited to the, the three-point contest in, in Charlotte, which will be special for him. Not only is his brother hometown. playing, um, but it's his hometown. Yep. And his, you know, his father played all of their his games really with the Hornets and is still an analyst with, with Charlotte. So for me, I, I think it's going to be a team effort. I think Dame needs to be aggressive early often. I think the team needs to... Fine, Nurk, but if Portland wins this game, if they get bench production, specifically from Myers Leonard and Jay Clayman, and Portland will not win this game if CJ McCollum goes three for 17. Like, he can shoot under 50%, but he can't take a high volume amount of shots doing so, if that makes any kind of sense. Do we win the tiebreaker if we win this game? No, it's 2-2. It goes to the division records. Okay. And right but now... It's, like, it's legitimately important for us to win this game. We would lose the tiebreaker if we lost this game. Yeah. Yes. I would feel more comfortable if this game was played later. Um, I don't like playing the same team four times in about five five weeks. Yeah, uh, you, you, know you're, you know the opposing team you're playing if you play I mean, them th- that frequently. I, I can already tell you right now, the high-low lob is going to be taken away. Rudy Gobert is going to sag off nerd. Oh, yeah, he's eating off that, like... That's just so, just Nurk's taken gonna away. have to score off of the pick and roll, and he's probably gonna have to make a couple jumpers. Well, he like if 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 Nurk just like gets into Rudy Gobert's body and makes him not be able to jump as extremely high as he can, like I think there's ways Nurk can just affect Rudy Gobert's defensive like brilliance, and that's just basically getting into him and playing rough with him and like making him like regret jumping for these shits like. If he pump fakes and Rudy goes up, just go into him, get that foul, get him into foul trouble early. Yeah, that's that's going to be key. So my my X factor, Nurk's got to stay out of foul trouble. We need him on the floor. Um, I think Portland needs to win the three point battle. Um, they only took Utah does a great job of keeping teams off the line, but I think we were like eight of seventeen, so we didn't take take a lot, but we shot over fifty percent. Utah was like something outrageous, like seven of 33. So they were hoisting them up. We won the three point battle. I think we do that again. We'll win just because it's at home. I, I do think we'll tie the series. I think it's going to be close, but Blazers win. You you believe that as well. Yeah. Yes. It's going to be a nail biter. It's going to be close. I mean, so like- that's, that's the only game we have on deck. I will be out, so we will be recording next Tuesday. It'll be the third part of our trade deadline series. Maybe the Blazers have made a trade. Maybe not. But you will catch us again there. Sage, anything else before we wrap this one up? Nope. Go Blazers and let's fucking win. Amen.
You may be. This is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!